Skinning waves, fox beer, lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, black alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. He's a bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kempex cat, Q has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. It is Thursday, November 9th, 2023. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time here in the good old United States of America. And what does that mean? That means we are live. And that means you can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433. Or actually, any time within the next two hours, we will get you live on the air. We would absolutely love to hear your opinion. And what might your opinion be? Well, we're going to be talking about the Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4 finale, Old Friends, New Planets. We also have our Star Trek birthday, Star Trek news, Star Trek shout-outs. We have a lot of fun planned. Uh, some big news, some breaking news that we're going to get to in just a second. But I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, with you here, coming to you live from Vermont. Uh, we have, as of right now, we have 132,021 downloads of this podcast, and we have 179,945 followers on our Facebook page. So thank you so much to each and every one of you, no matter where you're listening or when you're listening. Before we go too far, though, I'd like to introduce my awesome truck experts because without them, you would just be talking to me and that would be boring. So let's start off with our very own Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing good. Unlike Vermont, we are not snowing. But we're only getting up to 60s, so with the wind we've had the past couple of days, it's a little cool out, but it's nice and fall-like. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird when you got snow and you still have fall foliage. It's, it's a weird thing, but, you know, the weather's been weird this year so far. Yep. I, I don't know what else to say about it. And uh, let's swing on over to my triple play of players over here, my tri Portland, and we'll start off with the donut guy himself, David. How you doing tonight, David? I'm pretty good. I'm getting all shivery because I'm cold, and uh, it's about to snow here, so I'm good. Good, good, good. Well, I'll, I'll send some of my snow your way. How does that sound? As long as it's not yellow, I'm good. Sound pretty good? Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and also, from Portland, we have our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? Uh, well, I'm doing pretty good. I just finished uh, fluffing my feathers to their maximum extent and ex- ex- expelling all of the dander that I could to get all the people out of the room so I could start this podcast. <laughs> cool. 
We're glad you could join us. It worked. And uh, last but not least, rounding out my trifecta, we have our very own toy guy. Of course, I'm talking about Paul. How you doing tonight, Paul? Hey, brother. I'm doing well. It's been a good day. It's been a cold day. <laughs> <laughs> but a good day. So uh, ready to uh, – and there's just all kinds of good energy abounding, it seems, in the universe lately. So it's, 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 a, it's a good day to be alive, man. That's what I'm saying. It, it, it is an excellent day, and it was a very good day as of 12.01. And we have some super hot breaking news. At, Paul, why don't you tell our listeners what is going on in the world of Star Trek? I will do my best, friends. I will do my best because it's true. I feel like Jimmy Olsen running into uh, Perry White's newsroom with, you know, paper in my wake, shaking it, trying to get everyone's attention because the news is the strike is over. Hollywood is celebrating the end of the actor strike on red carpets and social media, and the word is let's go. Hollywood stars reacted with joy and relief over Wednesday's news late last night that the historic actor strike has finally ended. The Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, known as SAG-AFTRA in the bars around town, announced the strike would end at 12.01 a.m. on Thursday. The SAG-AFTRA uh, negotiating uh, team agreed to a new three-year contract with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, AMPTP, representing eight major studios and streamers. Now, there's quite a few several Star Trek actors that we all love who took the social media to comment, who I will briefly quote here. A friend of the show, Bonnie Gordon, we freaking did it. Calm down, Bonnie. Anthony Rapp, who we love, it has been an honor to be on the negotiating committee. So he was on the negotiating committee. How cool is that? Chase Masterson, who we've just recently uh, enjoyed having come back to uh, Star Trek, on Lower Decks, says, huge respect, everybody. We did it. Hashtag strikes work. Anson Mount, the captain, the captain of the U.S. Enterprise, the strike is over, hallelujah, hashtag sag after. Stephanie Sikowski, incredibly proud of my union and so grateful to everyone who stood in solidarity with us, hashtag stronger together. And yes, she flies the ship, Melissa Navia. Thank you to everyone who fought for us and with us. Thank you to our negotiating committee. Thank you also to those who tried to splinter us, who tried to shame us for demanding what we deserve, who chose to chide a movement. We saw you and rose right on above. Hashtag sag after strong. She's a spitfire, that one. I like her. Also, uh, Melissa Navia asked to ask additional comments. Thank you to the fans. You've been extraordinary. Hey, that's us. On here and at conventions, you have been nothing but supportive, endearing, and galvanizing. You are why we do what we do. Your passion for our stories is what ensures we get to keep telling them. Back to the bridge we go. Legendary Michael Okuda says, congrats to SAG-AFTRA for settling the strike on their terms. Our friends and colleagues in the Actors and Writers Guild have, to their convictions and voices, demonstrated the extraordinary power of solidarity in protecting workers' interests and livelihoods. A freaking men. And finally, Celestial Luminary Jerry Ryan catches up with us with a hearty thank you to all our incredible strike captains, especially my family at Warner Brothers all these months, to our tireless negotiating committee for fighting to secure our future, and to all of my SAG-AFTRA brothers and sisters, 
who have been out there on the line day after day. The ink will be splashing down shortly, and power and lights will be back to all of us soon. There will be new entertainment, new Star Trek in the not-too-distant future, friends. So open up the champagne. This is really exciting news. We should all be thrilled. It's excellent news, and uh, that's why we started off the show with this news, so that everybody listening knows that Star Trek is back. It's on its way. They're working on it. Hang tight. It's on its way. But we still have Trek talking. You guys can still hang out here and get all your greatest Star Trek news right here from Trek Talking. You can head over to trektalking.com. Matter of fact, there's all kinds of articles. You can actually see what we all look like and why we have faces for radio. Oh. And uh, you can leave us. <laughs> yes, we have radio faces. Oh, no, you speak for yourself, Uncle Jim. Come on. Oh, you, you don't have a radio face? Oh, dude, I have a I have a radio butt, but I have a you know. Jim. Jim, when you think when you think back in time of the famous Italian artists who have come before us and the vision that they had for perhaps what the perfect human being may look like, you may just kind of start to get within the realm of our good friend Paul, but you still can't quite imagine what it's really like <sighs> thank you man it's it's because my chin is made out of sculpted marble right you know and so i <laughs> i, 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 I kind of look at the world the with the that chin. lantern jawed kind of you know <laughs> skybound joie de vivre if you will and uh, it just you know makes me seem more handsome than I actually am, but constantly stoic is what I think of. Constantly well, stoic. you know, right. <laughs> I don't think that word means what you think it means. That's right, sexiest man alive. I get, my, I get my fair share, so that's really all I'm concerned about, right? Yeah, so man. I'm good with so it. So now that we got you interested, go to trektaki.com. <laughs> yes, and you can actually judge for yourself. You can you can read all about Paul on our co-host <laughs> section, and you can see exactly what he looks like for yourself. And then oh my. in the box <laughs> right-hand corner, there's a little blue microphone. And all you need to do is record a message and tell Paul why he is so damn sexy and hot. Tell him why you I'm going to be so busy next week, I better like clear my calendar right now. This is going to be great. And we will play that. Thank you for writing. Next week for the whole world to hear. So you can find that only at trektalking. Oh, dot content all mapped out for next week. That is a relief. Oh, <laughs> That's a solid hour and 15 right there. Oh, I know, yeah, right? We'll just right lead right into birthdays. Boom, we're done. Yep, we're finished. We're finished. <laughs> oh, boy. But, but, by the way, if you don't want to go to trektalking.com, or if you do, if you do, you'll see the Facebook logo at the top. You click on that. Take you right to our Facebook page. When you get there, you'll see pinned to the top a nice post asking, where are you listening from? And all you need to do is tell us where you're from. Try to make it creative, though, because I read hundreds of these a week and catch my attention. You know, food usually does the trick. Dancing hot dogs, pizza, stuff like that. Um, Flags waving always will get my attention. Live long and prosper. Aliens, be creative. If you see a heart next to your name from yours truly, Uncle Jim, 
then you want to tune into the next podcast because your name will be featured in a fan shout out. So Eric, who do we want to say hello to this week? Oh, we are headed straight to Eastern Europe, to Budapest, Hungary, and we're saying hello this week to Doracha Halzer. Doracha is saying hello to us and sending us uh, plenty of emojis, three of them, in fact, a little rocket ship sandwiched between two little star pieces of bread. So, Doracha, thank you so much for supporting our podcast over there in Hungary. Uh, we have familial connections in my family to that part of the world, and I cannot wait to make it over there and see what that lovely area looks and tastes and smells and feels like. Thank you so much for your support. Also saying hello this week to top fan Michael Vanderham, who's saying hello to us from Perth in Western Australia, sending us that awesome Australian flag and a long and prosperous symbol. And I'll say peace and long life to you, sir. Thank you so much for your support from down under. Saying hello this week as well to top fan Faye Workman, who's in South London in England. Uh, our family's going to be in London in come about springtime. I'm going to see if I can make it down to South London. That might be kind of fun. I haven't been there before. Thank you so much for your support just across the pond. And finally, on my list, I'm going to say hello and kapla this week to Claudio Val. Claudio Val is saying hello to us from Sicily in Italy says you can see us first contact nemesis and in enterprise first flight of the nx alpha live long and prosper and a smiley face which i'm sure is what caught jim's eye thank you so much claudio for supporting our podcast over there in one of the most amazing countries on the planet charles i'm spinning this globe back to you bringing it back home oh thank you eric it's a warm welcome to Lynn David Davies from Wyoming. Welcome to top fan Nancy Nan from Montreal, Canada. Welcome Donna Parker, who lives in West Michigan. <clears throat> and definitely a welcome to, to Sean Blank in San Francisco Bay Area, California. Okay, Sean, which Part of the uh, Bay Area, North Bay, South Bay, or East Bay. Spent some time in the 80s down there, so I know there's multiple parts. David, who's on your list? Hello, yes, I would like to say welcome to top fan Edward Russell from Eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, next on the list is another warm, warm welcome to Andy Meadownets from Florida. Or Meadownets, I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. Uh, welcome, welcome. Uh, another top fan I have is a warm welcome to Paul Eitzenberg from Plano, Texas. Uh, welcome. And the last one I got on my list is another warm welcome to Annette Stooks from Grovetown, Georgia, USA. Paul, do you have anybody? Well, friend, of course I do. And, you know, I kind of like to keep that international flavor going whenever I can. So first of all, I see a beautiful French flag billowing in the wind. And if you want to catch my attention, that's the flag to fly, frankly. i got a massive Jones for that particular nation. And we have top fan Eddie Merriweather 
saying hello, and Eddie is in the glorious realm of Normandy. Of course, I think most folks know Normandy. It's in the north of France with those beautiful chalk-white cliffs and those historic World War II beachheads. You've got just astonishing things everywhere there. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, Rouen, uh, Notre Dame, uh, Saint Mont Saint Michel. It's just one of the most amazing places you could ever possibly go. And I want to get there so bad I can taste it. So <laughs> just uh, envying you, your proximity, Eddie. And thanks for being a top fan. We really appreciate it. Uh, not too far afield from Eddie, though, we have. Uh, our good friend uh, Marcin Dra in Poland, who is saying hello. So wonderful to hear from you. I believe Marcin might also be a top fan, unless I'm mistaken here. You know, the old vision gets a little squinty in old age, but you got to do what you got to do. But Marcin, it is great to hear from you. Thank you so much for uh, being a Star Trek fan and uh, checking in with us as often as you do. I'd like to also send greetings out to our friend Howard Keller. In Boquete, Panama. Panama is a pretty amazing country. Uh, I think Boquete is like canal, if I recommend or rec- um, what do you do when you're remembering something? Uh, recollect. recollect. That's right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's we got long, you. Did you remember long it? Day. I'm, tell- I'm trying, man. I'm trying. But uh, uh, Boquete, pretty amazing. I think there's all kinds of wonderful uh uh, wildlife reserves near there, if memory serves. So wonderful to hear from you on that uh, area of the planet as well. Thanks for checking in with us, Howard, and for being a fan. And I love this next one. I'm excited because we have top fan Killian Kane, and that is a that is an iconic comic book name. I think Killian Kane. You got the alliteration. It's just badassery, is what that is. Okay, and I might have to steal that as a character name. Uh, Killian, because that's just, you're steeped in coolness. And the top fan, Killian, is uh, saying hello to us from Laos in Ireland there. Wonderful spot um, to the west of Dublin, about midpoint between Kildare and Kilkenny. Uh, really excellent spot of the world to be in. And uh, it's just so great to know that there is uh, flag-flying Star Trek enthusiasm in all these different parts of our globe. Uh, something good that can help unite us rather than divide us. Wouldn't you agree, Uncle Jim? I would agree entirely. And I just want to let you guys know, you keep hearing us mention top fans. How does one become a top fan? It's very simple. Go to our Facebook page and engage with us. Answer the questions, leave comments, and you can earn yourself a top fan badge. It's simple and it's fun. So I want to say thank you and kapla to Brian Sheehy, who's listening to us in New England area of the United States, which is a pretty vast area, but we're glad to have Brian along for the ride. Kapla. We also want to say thank you to David Avila Jr., who's listening to us in Indiana. And, of course, let's not forget Debbie O'Brien, who's listening to us right now in Glendon, PA, right outside of Philadelphia. And last on my list, we have another top fan, Susan Becker Rap Cole, who's listening to us right now in Minnesota, USA. They, they probably have snow there, if I was a betting man, I would say. And speaking of becoming a top fan, every week when Star Trek is over, usually on Friday around 10 a.m. Eastern Time, I put up a post on our Facebook page, and I ask you guys, our Facebook fans, 
to score that week's episode on a scale of 1 to 10. So last week, I asked you guys to score the season finale, Old Friends, New Planets. And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about the season four finale? Well, uh, they were pretty positive overall. We've got uh, Tippy Ray Perrywood saying 10 with three exclamation points. Awesome. Can't wait for season five. Top fan Eric Nagamine said nine best episode of the season. Love how Mike ended the cliffhanger with a cliffhanger to make us look forward to next season. The growth of our young lieutenant junior grades, spot on. Top fan Sean Baumgartner said 9.975, same as the max warp speed of the USS Voyager. Top fan Bob Power gave it a 10. We really need more than 10 episodes per season. It's not just great start, it's a great show, period. Top fan Gary Randolph said 10. I had the laughs and the feels. All the species were being themselves, including a fantastic Ferengi gag near the end that had me laughing out loud. Lower Decks is like the Orville in that it can be tongue-in-cheek while doing good storytelling. Oh, Gary, I can't tell you how many members of this podcast absolutely support your your uh, outlook on that. So thank you so much for uh, recognizing the Orville for what a great show it is. Okay, okay, let's not go too James far. Let's, 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 <laughs> fans let's, of the show will know I'm a big fan. Jim isn't. So there you go. <laughs> James Kerr gave this uh, episode an 11 out of 10. I'm sorry, James. We must average that back down to a 10. The only thing bad about it, he says, was it was the season finale. I would have loved 14 more. I agree with you. I sometimes, yeah. miss, especially with these like 22-minute episodes, a 26-episode season, uh, 10 episodes just doesn't feel like enough to me. So thanks, James. Uh, Nicholas Herenenko gave it a 10. It was an excellent season finale and so many Easter eggs as well. It was both fun and sad at the same time. Dustin S. Wing gave it an 8. The buildup in the previous episode was a bit better. In a season built on redemption arcs, Lorcano didn't get his, and Tendi leaving could be fun, but kind of came out of nowhere. Nick's motivations make sense. What was his grand plan? There didn't seem to be one quite good, but it could have been better. Top fan Julian Phillips gave it a 10. The quote, he looked like Tom Paris, and quote, nah, I don't see it, exchange, was hilarious. <laughs> And top fan Bill Belcher also gave it an 11, which of course is a 10. That, you guys, gives us a fan score of 9.7, which really, really knocks it out of the park for this season. Absolutely. The fans absolutely loved it. And you know what? And you know what that music means. It's once again time to put on your thinking caps and join us for Star Trek Trivia Time with Uncle Jim. All right, guys, if you've seen Star Trek Lower Deck season finale, Old Friends, New Planets, then this should be a pretty easy for you. All the trivia questions I pull right out of the episode, and I'm not trying to, to uh, make it hard or difficult, just to have a little bit of fun. All right, Eric, are you ready for the first question? Oh, yes, absolutely. All right. What was the name of the starship that Mariner steals in this episode? Oh, uh, I got that one. No problem, because I actually sent this article around to our internal chat. It was the USS Pissarro, which was the first, as far as I know, 
Saber Runner class ship that we've ever seen. Um, a, a strange marriage between uh-huh. something very small oh, and yeah. David's favorite ship class, uh, the Steam Runner. <laughs> Absolutely. Like steam Runner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's exactly like a Steam Runner, only really, really small because Steam Runners are really, really big. It's kind of like the bird of prey and the cavort bird of prey. Yeah, yes, absolutely like that. Yep. Same thing. Yep. <laughs> All right. Paul, are you ready? You got your thinking cap on? I know you're you're good looking, but are you smart too? Do you have the brains to go with the look? <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah. Brains with the brawn heat. Well, on mute. Depends on whether you can find the mute button or not. I mean, really. That's, well, that's difficult. Day, it's, yeah, you know, it's sometimes difficult. one one can't find the mute button. Uh, I don't know. We may have to push know. forward on to our next uh, we, we might here and come back to Paul. Come back to Paul. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's do it. We're gonna come. We're gonna come back to Paul. Was all that comedy go. not coming out of my mouth, and I was on mute that whole time? Oh my God! Yeah. You were on mute the whole time. Now we can hear. Oh it. my God! This old <laughs> age thing is legit. I'm serious. Oh my God! I, you're, it seemed like everything I said, I was getting a reaction. I was just like, Wow, this is really going yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm killing oh, it. Oh, man. This audience is great. I love it. Yeah, very respectful. Okay. Sorry. Tough Apologies. Tough we're, we're doing trivia, right? All right, Paul. <laughs> this is a tough one. You ready? Okay, man. I'll try. Who vo- All right. Who voices Wesley Crusher and Encito in this episode? Tough question. Tough. And it's a tough room, All right. too. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. This is what I like this because uh, it's uh, you got to acknowledge I'm a big fan of people who uh, are actors or who were actors, right? And I always think uh, that you kind of in, just instinctively know when there's somebody casting a well-known character and it's not the original person, you kind of flinch and twitch a little bit. It's like, eh, you're not Darren Stevens. <laughs> it's like, no. <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're you're an imposter, but lovely that they were on this particular uh, episode. They went and got the original folks. They got Will Wheaton, of course, to play Wesley Crusher. And really cool story, if you don't mind me taking like 20 seconds. They got original Cito Jackson actress Shannon Phil. Okay, and mm-hmm. to come back. And Shannon Phil's like a like a clinical social worker now. She hasn't like done acting really since like the 90s, right? And they got in touch with her, and they were said, hey. Come back. We'll pay your SAG dues. You know, we'd like you to come back. And uh, she did. And they got her to come back and record her character. And so there's that wonderful continuity of the same actress, even though she's retired from show business, coming back to still embody that character years later. That's the kind of cool thing that you see uh, so often uh, in the Star Trek universe. So uh, Shannon, Phil, and Will Wheaton happily uh did both of their original characters what a treat and i'm sure we'll talk more about this but this episode was like uh uh like a sequel in a lot of ways to the first duty right i mean it mm-hmm. really was it's very very cool to uh see some of those tips of the hat so but it wouldn't have been anything near as lovely as it was without shannon phil so great that uh they were able to persuade her to do that absolutely so my truck spurts are are uh hitting it out of the park again as usual. David, you ready to step up to the plate? (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right, David, here we go. This is a quote. Remember, I pulled them right out of the episode. No tricks. Okay, no mirrors, no smoke. Okay. So who said, thanks, I designed it myself. None of that Starfleet carpet or wood paneling in here. Uh, (laughs) Oh, 
Uh, I think... Uh, isn't that the guy who looks like Tom Paris? But Nick? I don't see it. I, I just don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick. Nick is his name. Yep. <laughs> Nick Locarno. Absolutely. Yep. All right, Charles, you're up next. You ready? I'm ready. All right. So who did Tendy choose to be her champion? Oh, rats. Am I going to need a new therapist? Absolutely. Dr. Megalimoo. It's like, oh, don't kill him off. We need we need a doctor on the ship. <laughs> yep. We need a Dr. good psychologist, psychiatrist. All right, Eric, you ready? Oh, yeah, back to me. Love it. I'm ready. All right. Here's another one of those famous Star Wars quotes. We thought we were all done with those in last week's episode. Oh, well, that should make it easy. They snuck (laughs) one in this week. Okay. Who said, would you look at the size of that thing? And it oh. wasn't red five, so we don't have That's to cut no the chat. <laughs> no, no that was uh, space station. In, <laughs> in this case, um, it was actually Captain Cap uh, Carol Freeman, as far as That's I remember. right. Yeah, yeah. She's a, she's a Star Wars fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she is. Look at the size of that thing. Look at the size of that thing. All right. So as usual, my my truck spurts are right on it. And uh, David, we're swinging back to you. Woo! Okay, put the donuts down and put on a thinking cap. You ready? Yep, put the fingers. All right. When Rutherford and Levick couldn't come to an agreement on what system to power up first, how did Talin solve the dilemma? (laughs) Levick. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Levick. Levick. I can't really do a good southern accent, but I believe it was a Dylan Mark Twain. That's right. I don't know what the combination's wrong with you, David. I do say so myself. I do declare. Southern accent. That's right. The dueling Mark Twain's is correct. All right. Paul. Paul, you ready? Yes. I'm ready, sir. Okay. Who is the actor? captain of the Cerritos in this episode. Oh, come on, man. You're like giving a softball. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Do I throw like a girl? Is that what you're saying to me? No, I don't think so. We're talking Boims himself using his deeper, more commanding voice. That would be That's right. Bradward Boimler. That's right. And Charles, you get to bring up the caboose here. What was the name of the new Class M planet that was created in this episode? Named after the villain himself who donated DNA in creating it, Lorcorno. That's right. And, I, you know, I heard, I heard a lot of people saying, oh, I wonder if he'll come back because he'll be regenerated like Spock was. And I'm like, well, no, because his body exploded. Spock died on the Enterprise and was shot to Genesis later, so a little bit different, but that's okay. All right, so that wraps up our Star Trek trivia. I hope you guys had fun, and now it's time for... (laughs) 
Take it away, Charles. All right. I'm not going to go over all of them because last week I threw a lot at you already. But we're going to go right back to first to uh, Next Generation, First Duty, Season 5, Episode 19. Thirteen years ago at Starfleet Academy, where three of the cadets replies their characters episode. Oh, we're going to create a competing, we're going to create the first competing fleet. Yeah, you better talk to the Maquis. Let's go back to DS9 and Voyager, where the Marquis started. Of course, this episode does well mention all the way back to Star Trek II, the Rathacon, where we got to see our first Genesis device. Lower Decks, Parth Ferengi's Heart Place, Season 4, Episode 6, the Ferengi Genesis device, which is a pay system. Lower Decks, a few badgy more, Season 4, Episode 7. Guji is in engineering. I'm glad to see Guji, good, good, Guji showing back up. Lower deck, something borrowed, something green. Diakira, uh, Tendi's sister. There's the origin of that character. Derica, yeah. Derica. I was trying to get the pronunciation right. And then right back to Star Trek II, Rathacon again. The Neranian Nebula, very similar to the Nebula we saw in this episode. And to find out that, I didn't realize this, but several of the music cues in that nebula are actually taken right out of Rathacon. That was so awesome. So, yeah. I loved it. And All right, I'm well, going to throw a, I'm going to throw an interesting little trivia out, and I think Erica mentioned about it. Ah, we had somebody steal a ship. And Eric, what was the name of that ship again? Oh yeah. Uh well I thought we get it it was the USS Pissarro. Yeah. Okay. Where did that? we get the Okay, Eric, then tell us where we get that name from. Yeah, it's kind of a really cool like shout out. It's actually the second shout out this person has got, but um Mr. Pissarro was actually a computer modeler from back in the day. He was one of the main people who was responsible for developing 3D models for Eagle Moss. And so many of us own models that he, um, you know, designed in computer space and then eventually, you know, got printed into or, or molded into the ships that we have. And as far as I know, I think I read something that he's got like over 220 models that he did for Eagle Moss through the years. So and was, video games. And video games and, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty cool that he – I think that there's also – he was actually honored once before, if I remember reading this correctly, that he – you can actually see another class of ship called the USS Pissarro in the final season finale of Picard. Um, what the heck was the name of that? Something with a G. 
yeah. uh, was the class of the ship. I can't remember. But yeah, totally cool that they right. honored this guy. Fabio. Yeah, Pissarro. Fabio Pissarro. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, interesting. What's special about the NCC number? Ooh, that one I don't know, Charles. Oh. NCC five two six seven zero or five twenty six seventy. The day he was born. Oh, that's cool. That's his birthday. <laughs> he worked it in there. That's cool. He they worked it in there. Or he they worked it in there for him, yeah. He that's passed amazing. away in February twenty twenty two. Yeah, that's amazing. But they got his birthday in the, on that ship. So cool. And it's wow. this is the first time We've had saber class. We've had saber runner class in shots. This is the first time they've actually featured a saber yeah. runner class ship. Isn't it like a new, I think it's a new class? They all, well, uh, I think David could tell you the the steam runner all day long, but I think this is the first time we've ever heard even heard about a saber runner class ship. To tell you the truth. Yeah, I don't. I think they've had him. they've had a couple of them show up as minor roles. This is the first time they've actually focused on it. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Cool. And uh, I know I know that uh, GD had a tough ride, and it's a good thing that Mariner strapped GD in so that GD didn't fly around the bridge with all that action you going mean mini, on. Mini GD. That you mentioned, it's a pay system. That's right. I mean, honestly, (laughs) if you steal anything made by Ferengi, if you don't have strips of Latin in your pocket, you're just being irresponsible. (laughs) Yeah, you are. Absolutely. So, uh, let's see. Eeny, meeny, my Paul, would you like to start us out this week? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, there's a lot going on in this particular episode, right? And uh, and it's I think it's good because we were sort of hoping, I think, as we've discussed things over the last uh, few weeks, that that you know all of these threads would get um, you know resolved, right? And uh, and I think the cool thing about it for me was you know um, it this is just a, it res- got resolved in a way that is a real nice tip of the hat to two of you know, I think most people's, certainly mine, um, favorite later episodes towards the run of Next Gen, right, was, you know, Lower Decks, of course, which was kind of the, you know, uh, inspiration for the Lower Deck series, really. I mean, it's pretty hard, hard to you know, argue with that one. But then also the first duty, which is just great, because it's so, it's such a great uh, episode in terms of, you know, talking about responsibility, and uh, owning up to stuff and being, you know, seduced to do something because you think it'll make you famous and your reputation. And then it just ends up having tragic consequences. So, I mean, it's like, that's, if you know, I think that's a episode I would encourage everybody who's facing the end of their like high school life to watch. I think there's a lot of good lessons in there. And the fact that they were able to go in and get everybody in there and kind of recreate some scenes from that, episodes timeline that we've never really seen before where Mariner's in there and she's interacting with everyone. And they did things like, uh, like we talked about, like bringing uh, earlier, we were talking about bringing the original actress to, to, you know, do the part of Sito. I mean, that's really great stuff. So a lot of good affection uh, for, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot over the last few weeks about how 
Um, the very short treks shorts were kind of, you know, making fun of old Star Trek, but not really with genuine affection for it. Nope. Right. And I felt like this was the exact opposite of that. I feel like we really got some good uh, genuine affection uh, for uh, those episodes and, uh, you know, bringing back uh, the original cast members, of course, you know, to, to do Locarno as well, which is great. Right. He's kind of the villain. Is he a villain? He's kind of become a villain. He basically never really, uh, you know, got his moral compass sorted out is the impression that you had. And he's kind of, you know, kind of just fallen on, you know, uh, an ethical conundrum, not really doing a great job. So, um, yeah, a lot of other stuff going on because we got the whole, the whole thing with like, you know, Tendi and whatnot and, uh, and De Erica, which is just a hilarious name for a, a Ryan crime Lord De Erica. Um, so a lot of good shtick, uh, a lot of good things like that. But I thought, uh, generally speaking, um, I really liked it because it had a lot of good affection for things that have come before, but also it was very character centric. And I feel like there was a lot of good uh, affection uh, with the Mariner character that, that we've been hoping we would see. Right. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that we uh, had been hoping would get, you know, that might've seemed arbitrary initially, but I think was, you know, finally flushed out and done in a respectful way that sort of helped the character grow really. Uh, and, you know, we're talking about it, you know, in terms of like, everyone's got these new promotions, these new ranks this year, but so there is a sense of evolution starting to happen on the show, right. Rather than just repeating themselves, uh, we are talking about people changing and people growing and the fact that they didn't turn away from that and really did kind of make it about that. Um, I thought that worked out really, really well. Um, I thought that was nice. I thought it was done good. Um, I was a little sad. I think at the end, the whole, <coughs> excuse me, idea of Tendi having to fulfill this contractual obligation she got to get the uh, the ship, right? Um, and so she's kind of having to go. She's kind of having to leave, right? And uh, But I think that's okay because clearly that's going to be uh, a big part of the next season is is that idea of, of you know, re- getting her back. And my guess is that uh, getting her back will finally uh, be a great excuse for uh, Rutherford and Tendy to express their genuine affection for each other. That's where I'm hoping they're going. I think that would be a great way of doing it. And that's certainly what I'll be uh, rooting for. I mean, uh, great that Robert Duncan McNeil was willing to come back and do this too, to do Locarno again and all the Tom Paris jokes. So and a lot of good affection, uh, I think going on in here. Uh, and it was done really well. Um, <laughs> the pay, the paywall Genesis device is just hysterical. It's the way it should be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just hilarious, right? Um, it's just perfect, you know, and it looked like the, and I loved that her nickname was GD. <laughs> Come on, GD, it's going to be okay. So silliness, right? Um, um, I thought it was a good, uh, you know, uh, a nice little dose of unexpected sentiment at the end, right? And, but it wasn't mocking uh, next gen or punching down on it the way uh, <clears throat> very short trucks tended to do. I thought it was trying to actually lift everybody up and doing that. So um, I thought, you know, there's some really uneven episodes in uh, the mid part of the season for me, not, I don't think for most folks, but for me, um, I thought the season started off really strong. 
uh, and then kind of waffled a bit where it just seemed the tone was really weird for me. Um, but I really liked the way they ended it. And uh, I, I thought they ended it in a respectful and entertaining way. So for me, I thought it was a really good uh, a good return to form would be what I would say. And a really nice way to, uh, you know, to round things out. And, uh, and hopefully we won't be waiting too long to get uh, – some new Star Trek coming on here. So, uh, dug it. I thought it was really great. Um, I think that I would uh, be content to give this sucker a good solid eight for me. Um, I thought it was really, really great. Not the best lower decks I think I've ever seen, uh, but a real uh, return to form and a step back in the right direction. Wow. Excellent. Excellent and high praise from the man, the myth, the legend himself. So <laughs> this is a good way to start. <laughs> So, uh, Charles, you want to jump in next and share your opinion? Okay. <clears throat> Let me go through a few notes on my page. I love how we go back 13 years to that episode where we actually see them on the Academy grounds and talking about actually seeing Mariner for the first time as a young cadet. Of course, we've got the, hey, it looks like Tom Paris. I don't see it. I love that reaction because that gets a few fans that didn't realize, wait a minute, that is Tom Paris because that's the same exact person doing two different roles. I love that Goody came back. There was a quick shot of him, but you saw him on in the air in engineering when Captain Friedman was going through saying, okay, as many captains have said, you don't have to go with me, but we're going to do this. So we've got Lorcana. Um, something interesting, I think I already caught that Eric didn't catch this. If you see on his quote-unquote uniform, you see that sort of a sort of a star outline on it which was actually the star that was part of the group the group that he was in when he was at Starfleet Academy oh was it the Nova Squadron like the five it's the Nova Squadron thing. star okay and that when the planet blew up, you got that similar effect. I did notice that that match, it's weird that I noticed it was his comm badge, but I didn't, and I even rewatched the first duty, but I didn't put together that it was the same logo. It is the same logo. One thing we got, okay, Paul talked a little bit about character growth. I think Mary's character really grew these last two episodes. I think we got to see a new Mariner coming out that she's, I think, going to do a little more changing. I think she's going to be a little bit more uh, focused on being a good officer and not just wanting to be a lower deck ensign. And as Paul said, well, we think Kendi will be back pretty quickly. 
One thing that's brought up and something I was watching that I thought so much true. We lost Boimler to um, Rikership. Oh, the a couple Titan. episodes, he's from the Titan. And a couple episodes later, we got him back. We lost our captain. Trial. Got the trial. She came back. So he left in the end of season one, came back in season two. She left in the end of season three, came back in... Or no. End of two to three. So we've got a couple of characters who we've lost and then regained at the end of the season. So I think that's a little bit of their plot. Uh, We lose a character, they come back. So I think that's a hint. But I also like that glimpse we see Attendee at the last scene. She kind of looks up and just kind of takes her uniform and it's like, okay, we, I got this. It's like, okay, you know she's got something planned. She knows she's plotting in there. But that's one of the fans did. I love I love the Easter eggs, a lot of the recognition of previous series. I love especially this one with all the different ships. It was a good dedication to all the different Star Treks we've had. And it is a Easter egg fan recognition of what a great uh, what all the different series were and how good they were. <clears throat> And that uh, Eric started to talk about in chat, and I agree with him in this comment, is we can take an episode. <coughs> sorry, <coughs> we can uh, take an episode like Duty and come back and revisit it. Oh, thirteen years later, and we're like, oh, okay. We got a series who can look back at this stuff and kind of give. New fans, oh, we got this episode. Oh, I didn't see that episode. I don't remember that episode. I should go back and rewatch that episode. And they may get people going back and they, well, they saw that episode. They might see some other episodes. But there's so much reminiscence of reminding us how good many of these episodes were. Oh, they went, didn't think about it so much when we first saw it. Oh, they need to go back and rethink about it. That was a good episode. I think Lower Decks really is doing a good job with really dedicating themselves to the class, all the previous series. This one with a 9.7. Hello? 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 Wow, 9.7. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. David, you want to – I did you – Put down the donut. You want to jump in here? Sure, yeah. Um, so this episode to me, even though, yes, it seemed like it was a real, uh, let's just say it, like a remake of Rathacon, which I'm sure we all know that we love that movie, even though Jim might disagree. 
Because <laughs> your favorite movie is what, number five or something? <laughs> number five all the way, baby. What's <laughs> <laughs> with a starship? <laughs> so, um, to me, this episode was really fun. I enjoyed it from beginning to end. I especially liked the ending when uh, Licano was surprised that he, at the very last second they had he had to put in strips of latinum <laughs> like everybody else has talked about it's a Ferengi thing to do so I think that was my favorite part throughout the entire series uh, uh, episode I mean but anyways um, yeah I I really enjoyed this one um, it had a lot of funny stuff in it and I'm uh, I just remember too that when we were talking about last week about uh, like how long ago, you know, how old Mariner is compared to uh, the rest of the series was, is that I guess we kind of put it, uh, we kind of uh, marked it right on there because I believe Eric said last week it was about like 13 years ago. And when we saw 13 years at the very beginning of this episode, I was like, oh wow, we were right on point. So. <laughs> I was actually uh, a little surprised about that. But yeah, um, overall, this episode, I, I really enjoyed. Um, uh, let's see, what other fun parts were there? Um, I like how we got the closure of the season. Uh, it, it ended really nicely. Um, but can someone explain to me, um, did the Genesis device create a planet, or did it just make a planet become life? From death. Yeah, for the Genesis device to work, you need a well. The you need any planet that already exists. But the idea is that's because you're Starfleet, you want a planet that's completely devoid of life. Because whatever happens on the planet, it's going to completely remake everything at a molecular level. So if there was life on that planet, it would be completely destroyed by a Genesis device, and different life would develop. So, did anyone else? feel like the planet just all of a sudden appeared there? Because to me, the planet never really was there to begin with. Said uh, There was actually a line where they said that they found uh, a planet in Tendi. One of the people, I thought it was Tendi, like verified that the void of remember that? No. Mariner went searching for a planet to dump the Genesis device. There and that's the planet she found. Yeah. Something nice. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Did anybody else get the uh, the vibe of Titan AE when he was going <laughs> through the ice field? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great movie, by the way. I love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that really reminded me of that whole ice field where it was just like trying to find a reflection and everything. It was like, okay. <laughs> but yeah, um... Oops. Overall, um, I think you all know what I'm going to be giving this episode. If I can go past 10, I could. Maybe I'll just give it some triples. But um, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I can't really think of anything else unless I hear from you guys and I get reminded. But it's been a while since I've seen it. Uh, I really need to rewatch these things. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to be giving it uh, 10 triples. I really 10 like triples. Wow, that's, that's a heavy-duty score to follow up, Eric. Do it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, I I think I'm with the rest of the Trexperts on this one. Overall, I definitely dug this episode. I like the the Mariner arc that everybody's kind of already talked about. Uh, 
quite a bit. Um, you know, this episode made me want to go back and watch First Duty again, and then I went by, back and actually watched the beginning of Voyager again so that I could remember how to introduce Tom Paris. And it really is amazing how similar the Tom Paris story and the Locarno story are. Like, they, you know, I think at one point I remember reading that that they were supposed to be the same character in the original conception of Voyager, but they kind of changed it just a little bit because they couldn't get some of the, you know, some of the math to work out, so to speak. Um, so Tom Paris actually is just kind of like a reworking of the Carno character, which, I, you know, is cool to have, as, as, as Paul was saying, Robert McNeil back uh, doing that thing. Um, I will say that I think, oh, that was, you know, we've um, already talked quite a bit, about Mariner's evolution throughout this one. So let's talk about Tendi's evolution. I mean, to me, we've seen Tendi in previous episodes kind of being shown to not want to buy into this Orion pirate thing, right? She, she's, I don't know if she's the first Orion in Starfleet or not, but she's certainly like not, it's not very good to have Orions in Starfleet. And she's worked really hard to separate herself from that whole thing. And in this episode, she actually makes a sacrifice that pulls her back into that world. You know, every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. That kind of feels like what's going on with Tendi here. And so I actually really love that ending. Paul was saying it made him a little uncomfortable. That's, I actually agree it made me uncomfortable. And that is why I loved it so much because it was a tragedy at the at the end, right? And she says, she's got the line about like, you got this, but the, the way that I kind of read that line was more like, okay, I know I play this part. Can, I can step back into this role because I have to. But, like, honestly, I'd rather just be hanging out doing engineering geekery with Rutherford at the end of the day, right? <laughs> so I expect that there's going to be some really cool attendee stuff uh, in Season 5 as she kind of resolves her way out of that situation. I love the recalls to the twining. I don't know how you guys feel about the twining, but I am in love with the whole concept of people not being able to come together and agree on a thing and to put them in this other environment where they both have to be <laughs> Mark Twain and be polite to one another to resolve their differences. To me, that is like revolutionary. It feels like something that I should maybe be considering doing uh, at the office to resolve conflict, you know? <laughs> so, so I love the recall to the twinning and them bringing that back. Uh, at the beginning, he wasn't sure about the, you know, what everybody's kind of saying here, which is that, you know, Lorcano blew up with the Genesis device. And so maybe there's DNA kind of mixed in there and maybe we're going to expect a, a Star Trek three. Here's my take on that. I don't think that we will repeat Star Trek 3 because that's not what's, what Lower Decks does. But my prediction is that we will get a twist on that. And because Lorcano was actually blown up with the device, I think that his DNA was actually integrated into the planet's DNA. And we're going to get like a Swamp Thing type thing here where planet Lorcano has a you know, innate spirit that underlies all of its uh, flora and fauna, and it will be the the Lorcano swamp thing of planet Lorcano. That's the, mark my words, people. You heard it first here. 
<laughs> swamp Thing Lorcano next season. So the Swamp Thing's going to come back to life? Uh, well, no, it's just going to be in a, a, a thing that like participates in whatever stories might happen on planet Lorcano. Stay brave. Mm. I guarantee, well, I don't guarantee, but I'm pretty sure it'll be a part of that story. You're saying Locarno becomes like the id of the planet. Yes. A la Forbidden Planet, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. The new Riser. Yeah. Well, no, Riser, no. It's it's more like a a sentience associated with the planet. So I'm excited about that. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, let's see, Jim didn't mention one thing that I thought for sure he would mention, which was the music in this episode. I thought the, well, well, I, I mentioned yeah. a little bit about the return of the theme, which I totally I haven't, that was amazing. I haven't gone yet. I, I oh, you haven't gone yet. Okay, I'll let you have that one. No. I'll let you have that one. Um, but I'll just say <laughs> that there, so the music was great, but also don't, the classical music interjections I thought were really, were really good too, um, which we don't often see in this. And I think that that's about it. I mean, there were lots of little clever things like the trinar shield versus the binar shield. I love all that kind of stuff. Oh. <laughs> and I think yeah, we got a couple of new rules of acquisition that I hadn't heard of before, too, which was really fun. So I, I don't know. I just had so much fun, and there was a lot of really cool character development. And, and Tendi, the way that they leave Tendi. I, so when I watched you guys, I love the tragedies leave the comedies behind i want to be crying and disappointed at the end of my theater and so like <laughs> leaving tendy where they did was and it actually pushed the episode to for me from an 8.5 up to a nine i just really enjoyed this episode ah come on join me up with the 10 troubles <laughs> uh, well well i'm, I'm gonna bring up the clues uh, this time I let all my truck spurts go first because I wanted to hear what everybody thought. And pretty much uh, my truck spurts were right on track with, with me. Um, I saw this episode as kind of a coming of age type of an episode because we saw all of our characters mature a lot. We saw Captain Boimler in this episode, which is something he's always yearned for. One of his goals from the first time we meet him. He wants to be captain, and here he is. He's in command of the Cerritos, and I, I might add, very well, actually. I, I completely bought him as captain. Even Tendi did. Tendi leans over and says, great captain's voice. So, um, yeah, I thought, I thought that uh, Boimler got his moment to shine, which was really cool. We did get to see a really big mariner step as everybody has mentioned we see her as a cadet which basically means she's roughly the same age as wesley and i think we talked about this last week now we know it for sure um she's right around there so uh we're, we're, we get to see we get to, and uh nobody mentioned this either but nobody died there was no destruction in this episode mariner didn't destroy a single ship and she like, points that out. Carno kind of blew up. You know, she, you know. Yeah. I mean, somebody definitely died. I'm always reading the fine print there, Eric. <laughs> yeah. Just, I don't know. I'm just trying to keep us honest here. At least one person was <laughs> absolutely blown to death. I think one of the binos died, too. <laughs> so we, we have a... We have a Yuna R now, I guess. I don't know, but... <laughs> 
But at any rate, uh, Mariner did not uh, fight back. Um, even the Ferengi, when their ship froze, they didn't die. And Mariner points this out, that she didn't attack his fleet, uh, which I think is great character development for her as well. Tendi gets a lot of character development in this episode. She She's going to go back and finally face the thing that she doesn't want to face. She wants to leave her Orion uh, history behind her, and now she's being forced to face it. She has to just take the bull by the horns and deal with it, and she's going to. And uh, we, we also have um, uh, Rutherford uh, and, and Levick. And, uh, you know, he's finally going to have, you know, he's not going to have a Tendi around. So now he has to step up and be the engineer that everybody knows that he can be. So I think it was great that all of our characters actually took a step forward. They all kind of had a coming-of-age moment in this episode, which I thought was outstanding. The music, come on. When they, There was even scenes in this episode that were shot for shot from Wrath of Khan. They even had the mm-hmm. musical score. Just, just wow, what can I say? And I want to point something out that a lot of us forget. And a lot of us take this for granted. And I need to point this out. We know the Wrath of Khan shot for shot, word for word, quote for quote. We've seen it up teen million times. However, there's a lot of younger fans out there that haven't seen the Wrath of Khan, that don't know the Wrath of Khan exists. They don't even know about Space Seed. Don't even go there. Um, you know, when... In the Darkness came out, and I wanted to go see it. Jamie wanted to go with me, and her friend wanted to join us. And she had never seen The Wrath of Khan. So when the big reveal came that, I am Khan, it didn't mean anything to her. She hadn't seen it. She didn't know. And so we have to give these fans the opportunity to enjoy this and learn about it and not take it for granted. And so I think putting scenes like that in the episode, The Wrath of Khan using the music, using the shots of the ships, um, you, uh, maybe these fans will go back and watch the Wrath of Khan, and they'll say, "Oh my God! Oh my God! The Wrath of Khan—they stole mm-hmm. that from Lower Deck." <laughs> you know, because to them, Lower Decks is their Star Trek. Wrath of Khan is our Star Trek. So I think it's great when you can meld them together. So, you know, I just love this episode. I love the musical cues. I love the humor. I loved everything about it. It was very well done, very well written a lot of fun, and I I just can't say enough good about it. So, as you know, I'm going to give this episode a 27.4, obviously, Um, but that's going to round down to a 10. So, there you have it. So, Charles, what does does that give us in comparison to our fans on Facebook? All right. Well, that is to give us The fans gave it a 9.7, and we gave it a 9.3. No. Solid. Solid. Very solid. We need to be better next time. Is that the closest we've come to the fans so far this season? Mm, uh, I thought we've gone over the fans once. 
We well, started that was the season sh- off higher in the fans, and we dropped below the fans, starting with the fifth episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, to be honest, we everybody's got their own rating system, and so the fans, there's a much larger sample size there available. You know, our sample size is five guys, so you know. Paul gives it a three, and you know they. <laughs> David gives no, it a ten. Things go, things go crazy, so you know. We're it's Paul. pretty close. Yeah. I mean, there's no difference between yeah. nine point three and nine point six or seven or whatever. They're, we're basically saying what the fans are saying. It was a great episode. I blame yeah. Paul. It's all Paul. Those that might be interested for this season, season four of Lower Decks. The fans rated this show overall an 8.4. The host's overall rating at an 8.2. Hmm. Hey. Wow. How about that? That's, that's, so that's this right series there. is in the eights. I mean, that sounds like a moneymaker to me. That sounds like a show yes. that deserves to keep on living because people are watching it. Yeah, I think we need that season six. Yeah. Like Jim was talking Absolutely. about, the younger audience, you know, they got to start from the lower decks anyways and work their way up, right? <laughs> well, and right. like this, I've I've constantly said this. I mean, I watched this show with my 14-year-old uh, kid, and she loves this show, and she has literally zero context aside from, like, whatever she's absorbed from Star Trek being on in the background. Um, and so she doesn't have any Wrath of Khan references. She doesn't have any of the, like, inside joke references, and yet... She gets so excited when a new episode comes out and she wants to watch it with me. So to me, that's a show that's hitting on all cylinders. Yes. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. And and uh, something we didn't mention is that none of those ships were destroyed. I think was it Paul that had mentioned that all the ships that we thought were being destroyed in the in, through the whole season weren't being destroyed. Um, they were nope. being, I guess they were being transported. I, I don't think no, I mean, we, we never knew how Lorcano got this like crazy technology. And honestly, like his plot was pretty dumb. Um, it was probably, <laughs> I mean, it was nice that it was resolved and it was cool that they brought him back. But the idea of trying to form some kind of independent fleet based on, I guess, spies that you kind of had sent into these various uh, races of shit. I don't know. It just like it makes sense maybe on the Romulan ship, but maybe not as much on other ships. I don't know. That was the weakest part of the show to me. Just the whole how, yeah. why was he even stealing ships? And it's just a, it's kind of a cheat though, right? Because for episode after episode, they made it look like these ships were getting totally destroyed. Yeah, totally. yeah. And there's all yeah. the red herring, all this, red you know, debris and the yeah, bright exactly. lights. I mean, it really, it's like, it's kind of a cheat to sort of go, oh, well, actually, the debris you saw wasn't real or whatever. I'm like, that's kind of, you know, I yeah. mean, it kind of makes your bullshit meter go off a little bit, right? Minus 0.1 from lower decks. <laughs> Uh-oh. oh Paul just dropped the score down. He's at a 7.9 now instead of an 8. No, I'm willing to, you know, let, let it ride, right? I'm willing to let it ride. But I'm just saying, you know, in, in general, it's just like you don't like uh, – yeah, I don't like cheap. bait and switch, right? It's like if yeah. I were to mistake, it better not be made out of, like, gluten-free whatever, right? I'm one, you know, come on. So it's just like... <laughs> now, hold on. Flip you the plant-based uh, steak, Paul. <laughs> You know, it's not that there's anything wrong I'm with it, but I just, you know, for... you want what you order, right? You want what you get. And it's yeah, just like, yeah. wait a second. You've been making me think it's like, you know, if 
it's it's the problem I have with like any kind of like the the you know the what are those people the the founders or whatever right the ones that can pretend to be somebody but it's really not I mean yeah. where does that end right because yeah. then everybody could not be what they think they are and everything you thought was destroyed isn't really being destroyed because it's like the, basically you're kind of saying we're doing storytelling without even the most basic consistency of suspension of disbelief right and I think it's not really uh, Good, not good cricket, as I would say. Uh, would completely agree, but I think that we would all agree that the only response that we can really have in this situation is Cerrito Strong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I know for me personally, I am really psyched for season five because so far they followed all the movies, which means when they do the opening credits <laughs> next year, we should see a giant godhead floating in space going, you and shooting lasers out of his eyes. And we should well, see a Star Trek five base <laughs> poster for, uh, for lower decks. And we should see lots of Star Trek five references in next season. So I, for <laughs> one, am excited about that. <laughs> so, I think it's going to be a rock monster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's I, a rock monster. <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to okay. talk really quick about the ships. Um, uh, did you guys notice um, the Romulan warbirds, the way that was shaped? Yeah, like the vertical mm-hmm. warbird? They were yeah. sideways. Yeah. Apparently, from what I heard, that was the original design they were going to go with, with the original TNG bird of uh, Romulan uh, warbird. Whoa. Yeah, from the... Uh, I think it was the original Starfleet technical manual, I believe, from... Um, hmm. Yeah, they, they they had like pictures of the original ships and stuff, and so apparently that ship design was back in the day of when they were first coming up with ship designs of what to put in the movies or TV series, and so apparently that sideways design was yeah, it was uh, that was supposed to be a thing, so they brought it back. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Wow! All yeah. right. Well, guys, you know what? It's time for birthdays. (laughs) That was not a Klingon song. All right. We always start off our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we're going to be remembering nine members of our Trek community who have gone before us. The first is actor Ian Wolfe. Ian Wolfe was the actor who played Septimus in the TOS second season episode Bread and Circuses. Also played Mr. Ataz, as well as Mr. Ataz's replicas in the third season episode All Our Yesterdays. Uh, Ian Wolfe was one of the uh, only 14 Star Trek stars who were actually born in the 19th century. He was born in 1896, and he was the last surviving Star Trek actor to have been born in the 19th century. At the age of 22 years old, he joined the U.S. uh, Army and served as a medical orderly, one of only two Star Trek actors verified as veterans of the first World War. That's right, the one that happened like back in the in the teens, not the one in the 40s. Uh, the other being Paul Fix. So that is pretty cool. 
Ian Wolf has over 200 film credits to his uh, to his credit, and over 80 guest television appearances along the way in a career that spanned over 56 years. So, pretty impressive character along the way. Uh, I think that maybe Paul and probably Jim uh, would know him as well as a principal supporting actor in uh, George Lucas's very first film, THX 1138. Um, so cool that he was in that movie as well. So happy birthday. Uh, he's been gone quite a bit now. Uh, 1992 is when we lost Ian Wolf, but we will never forget him. Septimus was a great character. Happy birthday, Ian Wolf. Happy birthday as well to Robert Fortier. Uh, he was the actor who played Tomar in the TOS second season episode by any other name. His character, if you don't remember uh, who he was, he was neutralized when Scotty got him drunk. <laughs> and I learned uh, through my research that his name, Tomar, was actually a pun because Tomar means to drink in Spanish. So there you go. Uh, that's where he got his name. Uh, Fortier had previously co-starred with TOS actor William Shatner in the 1965 horror movie Incubus, and he was known for doing quite a few films with uh, director Robert Altman along the way, including McCabe and Mrs. Miller, uh, which also featured our good friend uh, René Auberginois, uh, who we also miss very much. Uh, his largest role was probably in Altman's 1977 drama Three Women. Uh, so Robert Fortier would have had a birthday this week as well, born in 1926, lost in 2005. Happy birthday, Robert. Happy birthday as well to Jan Shutan, uh, the actress who played Lieutenant Mira Romaine in the TOS third season episode, The Lights of Zatar. Uh, you might remember that while aboard the Enterprise, she became romantically involved with Montgomery Scott, one of a few things along the way. If you haven't gone back and read that most excellent comic, which I'll talk about in the future, where Scotty, uh, you get to actually meet Scotty's wife. That's, that's a really good comic. But Jan Shutan uh, as Mira Romaine, uh, she was uh, the actress, was the winner of the TV program back in the day called Arthur Godry's Talent Scouts. So she was very talented actress and singer. One of her few motion picture credits along the way was in Russ Meyer's The Seven Minutes in 1971. She also appeared in the campy 1978 horror film Dracula's Dog. <laughs> and in 1980, she married writer-producer David Levinson, who was known by, and was after that, known by her married name, Jan Levinson, and soon retired from acting afterwards. So Jan Shutan was an actress who lived to be 88 years old. We lost her just last, uh, excuse me, two Octobers ago in October of 2021. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Julian Christopher, the actor also credited sometimes as James Lewis Watkins, who played Hagen in the Next Generation first season episode, Code of Honor, also played a Cardassian overseer in the DS9 second season episode, Tribunal, where he was credited as Julian Christopher. Christopher was among the actors considered for the role of Worf back in the day when Next Generation was being cast. Of course, Michael Dorn got the gig. He also co-starred in a pair of black exploitation films in 1972, one called Cool Breeze and one called Black Gun. Did a few other black exploitation films along the way. He had a supporting role opposite John Wayne in the 1974 film McHugh, uh, which is pretty cool. That film also featured one of the podcasts with Diana 
Moldar, you may know her name here and there, um, Ms. Paskey herself. Julian had many supporting roles in the 90s, including uh, on Stargate SD1 and Outer Limits and things like that. But he's best known for his recurring role as Dr. McIntyre on the popular television series Smallville uh, back in the day. So Julian Christopher would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Julian. Happy birthday as well to Earl Bowen. He was the actor who played Nagillum in the Next Generation second season episode where Silence has lease. He also provided voices to characters in Star Trek computer games, including Star Trek Voyager Elite Force and Star Trek Bridge Commander. Bowen was best known for playing Dr. Peter Silberman in The Terminator from 1984 and also Judgment Day in 1991, continuing on to Terminator 3 in 2003. Other films uh, that grace his uh, science fiction resume include The Man with Two Brains, as well as the science fiction romantic comedy, My Stepmother is an Alien. Plenty of guest appearances on all the shows back in the day, Hawaii Five-0, Buck Rogers, MASH, etc. And also did a bunch of voice acting work back in the day, including taking over for Ricardo Montalban uh, in the Disney series Kim Possible for a little while. So happy birthday to Earl Bowen. Also having a birthday this week is Carl Stevens. Carl Stevens was the actor who played the nine-year-old Spock, one of only 11 actors to have that uh, honor uh, from Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Steven, uh, this was his actual first feature film appearance at only nine years of age. He would again later play a younger version of a Leonard Nimoy character in the 1991 for television show Never Forget, uh, directed by Joseph Sargent. Steven was briefly a regular performer on the Webster television series back in the mid-80s. Uh, and did some House on the Prairie, a couple other shows along the way. Unfortunately, um, we lost him at the young, young age of 36 years old. Uh, Carl Stevens had some drug issues, uh, had some prison issues along the way, but uh, we remember him in a very uh, bright light here, playing that awesome nine-year-old version of Spock from Star Trek III. So happy birthday to Carl Stevens. Happy birthday as well to Norman Lloyd. He was the actor who played Professor Galen in the Next Generation six-season episode, The Chase, uh, Picard's mentor, and uh, yeah, I think guy that he kind of aspired to be. Like, if he hadn't been a, a starship captain, he definitely would have been an archaeologist, right? Uh, Norman Lloyd was probably best known to television audiences for playing Dr. Daniel Auschlander on the drama series Saint Elsewhere from 1982 through 1988. Uh, he actually began his career in show business performing in theater before Alfred Hitchcock grabbed a hold of him back in the 40s. Um, many, many notable films in the 40s, 50s, 60s. 70s, 80s, all the way through the 90s, and uh, we lost him back uh, in 2021, but just uh, a few years before that, in 2017, uh, he became the oldest living actor to have ever appeared in Star Trek. Norman Lloyd eventually would live to be 106 years old, which uh, is a pretty impressive feat as far as I'm concerned and just deserves a lot of uh, amazing praise and, and honor for that. Uh, great character, great actor. You should look him up if you don't know much about him. Lloyd would have had a birthday on November 8th. Happy birthday. 
Happy birthday as well to Nicholas Kempros. He's the actor who played Movar in the Next Generation fourth and fifth season episodes Redemption and Redemption 2, that great season spanner. He appeared in a handful of films, including 1984's award-winning drama Amadeus, which if you have not seen that movie, you need to stop what you're doing after this podcast and go watch it because it's amazing. Other films and made-for-television movies he appeared in included uh, Grace Quigley, 1986's Apology, and 1994's Quiz Show. He also had a role in the 1986 miniseries George Washington 2 and guest starred in many, many episodes of The Golden Girls. Happy birthday to Nicholas Kempros. And finally, on our remembrance list this week, we have actress Thelma Lee, uh, also known by her birth name of Thelma Laterman. She was who played Kalest in the Next Generation third season episode, Sins of the Father. The one that sounds like Kalest, but it ends with a T instead. Lee started her career as a comedian in the comedy series Toast of the Town back in the early 60s. She's the sister of the late actress and producer Madeline Lee Gifford. Madeline Lee Gifford, excuse me, I've been reading too many children's books recently. She also has credits uh, for the 1979 drama Voices, the 1982 drama The King of Comedy, and 1988's They Live, in addition to being in the science fiction film Future Shock from 1994. Uh, among her last known appearances are the comedy Always Stayed By and two episodes of the remake of Love Boat, The Next Wave from 1998. So Thelma Lee would have had a birthday just today, you guys. She was born back in 1916. Uh, so she wouldn't, you know, she would have been over 100. Uh, but she did live to be uh, 95 years old in the end, which I is also pretty cool. So happy birthday, Thelma Lee. We love and miss you. And that, you guys, does it for our remembrances this week. So I'm going to spin this birthday cake over to Charles and see if he can deal with these candles. Oh, now is Eric handing me the whole cake. <clears throat> All right. Let's start off with a happy birthday to Ursuline Bryant. Actors who played Captain Trila Scott in Star Trek Next Generation, the first season episode, Conspiracy. Happy birthday to Vidal Peterson. Actor played Detan in Star Trek Next Generation, fifth season episode, Unification 2. And Vidal in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, second season episode, Cardassians. Happy birthday to Zoll. McClellan, actress who played Crimin Cow Haunting on Deck 12. Happy birthday to Lisa Berry, actress who played Kanka in Star Trek Discovery's third season episode, There is a Tide. Happy birthday to Alfred Woodard, American actress who played Lily Sloan in Star Trek First Contact. This one I do like. A happy birthday to Eric Minyuk, who portrayed the, the who portrayed the recurring part of the Traveler in Star Trek Next Generation episode where no man's gone for Remember Me and Journey's End. He actually was in line for casting for Data until he got this role. Uh, 
cast him as a traveler. And after he retired from his acting career, he retrained and became an attorney representing children with disabilities and children's education rights. So a fair fair job to take over when leaving acting. And then somebody we actually discussed earlier tonight. A very happy birthday to Robert Robbie Duncan McNeil. And the reason I say Robbie is because he had three Robs in Voyager. And he decided to go by Robbie in it. Actor, director, and producer known for portraying Tom Paris in every episode of Star Trek Voyager. He has previously appeared as Nicholas Florcana in Star Trek's Next Generation 50s episode First Duty, and Star Trek Lower Decks four season episodes Inner Fight and Old Friends New Planets, which we just talked about. But it was interesting when you hear them talk in the podcast where you had Robert, Robbie, and Bob all in there. And so they all went with different ways to tell each other apart. But definitely great to see Robert, Robbie get a chance to come back and be part of Lower Decks just as Will Wheaton did. I am very happy this series is bringing back original characters and casting them in there. And I think, actually, we missed one episode. He also was in another episode. I believe in the episode, we will always have Tom Paris appeared on ship there while uh, somebody was trying to get his ship, his... uh, Tom Paris plate signed. So as I see him, hearing him squirming in his seat, uh, past this big flaming cake over to Paul. And <laughs> continue. <laughs> all right, man. Yes, there are a lot of birthdays to celebrate this month. It is true. First of all, let's say happy birthday to actress Stephanie Sajowski, who played Lieutenant Tavine in the Picard third season episode. Uh, it doesn't say. <laughs> it just says the third season of Star Trek. Hey, uh, research department, uh, let's meet later. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Stephanie Szczawski. I will uh, try to look that up, and we'll get that rectified for you here. I'll tell you. And happy birthday also to actress Irene Sue, who played Mary Kim in Star Trek Voyager third and seventh season episodes, Favorite Son, as well as author author and uh, this one I, I love because this guy's a great character actress or actor sorry I'm, it's been a it's it's been a day kids it's been a day but if you see this guy and on television you'll recognize him we're talking about the great harris Eulin, emmy award nominated actor that we're acknowledging for playing amin maritza on deep space nine first season episode duet but this guy has been in everything. Um, I first remember seeing him in Scarface back in like 83 or whatnot. 
but he was in uh, Training Day, Clear and Present Danger. Um, a couple of years ago, he was on the great series Ozark. If you haven't seen that, why well, you're really missing out. But terrific character actor, just all over the place, always indelible, uh, impossible to forget. So uh, Harris Eulen, happy birthday. Happy birthday also to the luminous Famke Johnson, who we all love, a Dutch actress who played Kamala in Next Gen's fifth season episode, The Perfect Mate. Uh, Famke came onto the scene, of course, in the Bond picture, uh, GoldenEye, uh, which uh, rocketed her into prominence. So really terrific uh, to be able to have a foot in both the Star Trek universe and the Bond universe as well. Um, late breaking news coming in from me here because uh, Stephanie Chazowski, uh Lieutenant Devine was just a whole bunch of different Picard episodes. So who knew? So that's why we don't have an episode listed because she was just ubiquitous across the third season of Picard. So forgive me for my human frailties, friends. Happy birthday also to British actress Carolyn Seymour, who appeared as four different characters. What the hell am I hearing? Am I hearing like somebody's like grandmother's cuckoo clock? Does anyone else hear this? We got a radio show going on here, and uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's if you're not if you're not talking, how about muting? Because there's so much noise, I feel like I'm in a bowling alley. It's crazy. Sorry. Um, Carolyn Seymour played Karis in Next Gen's Contagion, Marisata Yale in Next Gen's First Contact, Toreth in Face of the Enemy, also a great Next Gen episode. And Mrs. Templeton in the Voyager episodes Cathexis, boy, I like that word, Cathexis, and Persistence of Vision. So Carolyn Seymour, a regular around all things Star Trek, it would appear. Happy birthday goes out to Oscar Camacho, actor who played Pedro in Picard's second season episodes Watcher and Fly Me to the Moon. Very cool uh, little character arc there. Happy birthday to Jessica Lowe, actress who voiced Tagai. And a Sumitos Command Lieutenant Junior Grade in the Star Trek Lower Deck second season episode, Wesh Douge, which is, of course, one of the best Lower Deck episodes ever. I think universally considered so. Would you agree? Yes, you would. Let's just assume that I'm right. <laughs> Finally, for me, happy birthday goes out to Rebecca Romaine, actress and former model who plays Una Chin Riley on Star Trek Discovery second season episodes, Obal for Sharon. And Such Sweet Sorrow and Such Sweet Sorrow Part, but of course, reprised her role in the Short Treks episodes Q&A and Ask Not, which is all preamble, really, because what we really want to acknowledge is that she is numero uno and <laughs> series regular of number one, Una Jun Riley on Star Trek Strange New Worlds and uh, other cross-pollinating co-universes uh, where she is the uh, you know, recruitment poster child, if you will, uh, to entice young men into joining Starfleet Academy as she has done so effectively. So numero uno, Rebecca Romaine, um, we still remember you when you painted yourself blue to be in uh, many an X-Men movie, <laughs> helping the box office in innumerable ways. But you're a delight, and it's just so great to have you on Star Trek. You uh, also have a lovely singing voice, I must say, uh, as exemplified in that musical episode uh, this year. So keep at it. Never leave the USS Enterprise. And it's just so great to have you uh, playing this character ongoing. Passing it over to Uncle Jim. Well, I've got a few left, not a lot. We're almost done, I promise you. The first thing we want to do is we want to say happy birthday to Sarah Booth. 
the actress who played Luda in Star Trek Discovery's fourth season episode, The Example. We also want to say happy birthday to Dakin Matthews, the highly prolific actor who played Admiral Peterson in Star Trek Voyager's fifth season episode, Relativity. And because we're talking about an admiral, Eric, good guy, bad guy, what's, what's the deal with this guy? Uh, well, you know, is like Patterson's not not too bad, uh, but he's he's as every admiral is. He's got shady undertones. So, okay, um, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. That's cool. Uh, we also want to say happy birthday and Joanne True to Hank Harris, who played Jack in the Star Trek Enterprise second season episode Carbon. Creek. If you haven't seen that episode, what are you waiting for? Run, Oof. don't walk to your television, turn on Paramount Plus and watch it right now. You will not be disappointed. Uh, next, I want to say happy birthday to the one, the only Armin Shimmerman. Yes, that guy. He's got the lobes for business. Actor who is best known for the Star Trek universe for his portrayal of Quark. In Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the first to ever portray a Ferengi in the Star Trek franchise when the race first appeared in the Next Generation episode, The Last Outpost. Yes, those are the guys that jumped around like monkeys with the little blue laser whips. Remember them? Yep. Oh, yeah. The old laser whip. (laughs) Way back in the day. I'm so glad they changed them. Uh, Shimmerman went on to make two more appearances on TNG, including a second time as a Ferengi in the episode Peak Performance. Um, we also want to say happy birthday to Jason Smith, the actor who played Hendor in Star Trek Into Darkness and Star Trek In Beyond and Star Trek 2009. The funny thing about this guy is this is the guy that called Captain Kirk's cupcake. He also died in every Star Trek movie and came back in every Star Trek movie. That's right. They forgot that they killed him, and they brought him back. They forgot that they killed him, they brought him back. So uh, he's been in all three Star Trek movies as the recurring red shirt. Happy birthday to Jason Smith. I always save the Klingons for last, guys. And boy, oh boy, do I have some good ones. Uh, first off, I want to say Kapla, a hearty Kapla. And you can call her mother, the one, the only, Mary Chifo, the actress who played Laurel in the first and second seasons of Star Trek Discovery. I love her character. And I hope that we see her again, maybe in Strange New Worlds, maybe in Section 31. But I think Mary Chifo did a phenomenal job um, as Chancellor Laurel. And I hope we see her again. Happy birthday, Mary Chifo. Uh, The last one, uh, yeah, I I don't know what I can say about her. Uh, She's the cute one. She's the cute one. We'll start there. Uh, We definitely want to say Kaplata. Gwyneth Walsh, the actress who played Bator in Star Trek The Next Generation episodes, Redemption, Redemption Part 2, and Firstborn. She also appeared in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, first season past prologue, and appeared in the movie Star Trek Generations, where she met her demise. The ultimate dynamic duo when it comes to Klingons, Lursa and Bator. 
What more can you say about those two, huh? They are the Duras sisters as we come to know and love them. All right, guys, that wraps up our Star Trek birthdays. And you know what that means. It's time for some Star Trek news. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. And it looks like Charles has our first story tonight. So we'll let Charles jump right in. Maybe. Uh, on my schedule, I see Eric having a new first story. Yep, except you already you already touched on that story. Keep rolling, buddy. So we got to right. move down to the next one. All right. Star Trek Prodigy nominated for Emmy Awards. One of Star Trek franchise's most unusual journeys has another interesting turn. Star Trek Prodigy has been nominated for an Emmy Award. Star Trek brand page on social media to congratulate the team behind the canceled series for their Children's and Family Emmy Award nomination for sound mixing and sound editing for an animated series. The series, which aired on Nickelodeon and Paramount Plus, was canceled and pulled from the streaming service platform earlier this year. Still, unlike other streaming projects that were shelled for tax credits and never seen again, Project got a home media release and shockingly a second season. A bit not on Paramount Plus, enthusiasm for the series continues, resulting in a second season that's heading to Netflix in 2024. <coughs> <coughs> That will make it the first Star Trek show to stream anywhere else other than Paramount. <coughs> David. Oh, we're going to jump to me? I thought we were going to go back to Eric. <laughs> Keep <Okay. moving> <laughs> So, uh, I got a piece of news here. It says, Star Trek's new Starfleet Academy show will be really funny, says executive producer. <coughs> Star Trek executive producer Alex Kurtzman discussed the upcoming Star Trek Starfleet Academy series at New York Comic Con, which he lauded as really funny. Starfleet Academy was announced in March 2023, and the YA-centric series will introduce us to a young group of cadets who come together to pursue a common dream of hope and optimism. Under, excuse me, under the watchful and demanding eyes of their instructors, they will discover what it takes to become Starfleet officers as they navigate blossoming friendships, explosive rivalries, first loves, and a new enemy that threatens both the Academy and the Federation itself. Production on Starfleet Academy is set to begin in 2024. Kurtzman is co-showrunner of Starfleet Academy with Noga Landau, Nancy Drew, and he had a lot to say about the upcoming series themes, as well as praise praise for Star Trek Lower Decks. Tawny Snoosem, 
who is one of Starfleet Academy's writers, quotes, So, we are back in the writer's room. We are officially going to start shooting next year. Noga Landau, the, uh, the amazing Noga Landau, and I are running it. <laughs> For all the Nancy Drew fans out there, she's incredible. First of all, it's the greatest writing staff. We had so much joy just getting each other through the strike. <clears throat> Staying connected and driven. Okay, and coming back into the room and working was so wonderful. We just came back this week as a matter of fact. And one of our writers is, in fact, Tawny Newsom, which is really exciting. She's a genius. Why, uh, what I'm so excited about the Starfleet Academy is that it's really important that every show really has its own distinct identity. Otherwise, what's the difference between one of the uh, uh, what's the difference between one or the other? Think fans were waiting over 60 years to go inside the chocolate factory and see what it's like in there. And when you're in Starfleet Academy, you're not just on a ship proper. And so you get to make mistakes. And you get to learn who you are and figure out uh, and figure all that out. I think that this idea that the generation is inheriting, I look at my son and we look at kids now. They're inheriting all this massive, massive challenges. Then the question becomes, how do you hold on and rebuild all the hope? And I think that's what our show is so much about. It's really fun, it's really funny, and it's ultimately a show that speaks to the generation now. And that, <coughs> excuse me, and that's this question of how are our better angels, uh, angels, angels, angels going to emerge, and what are they going to do to get us out, uh, to get us there? Because it's going to be on the next generation to do that. Um, Star Trek hasn't officially confirmed what uh, what era Star Trek Starfleet Academy is set in. Although the show is very likely to is a spin-off of Star Trek Discovery and continues that show, 32nd Century Timeline, the Starfleet Academy series announcements included the description that said, for the first time in over a century, our campus will be reopened to admit individuals a minimum of 16 Earth years, or species equivalent. This indicates Starfleet Academy is set in Discovery's time period since the school was reopened in Star Trek Discovery Season 4 after being closed for 100 years due to the burn. <coughs> Tawny Newsom is one of Star Trek Starfleet Academy writers, will certainly help ensure the show will be filled with bright, funny, enduring characters getting their first taste 
of the final frontier. Just was a lot to take in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I guess there's going to be a new series coming out, and I didn't realize that, uh, is, uh, I'm assuming Tony Newsom, is that, um, Mariner? Yes. yes. Ah. Yes. Cool. Yeah, she is pretty funny. I hope with her humor, it's going to be not really a whole lot like Lower Decks, but maybe something similar. So I guess that's that. Uh, so I guess we have Paul, you're next. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Okay. An original Star Trek prop has been discovered after nearly half a century. A piece of Star Trek history has been returned to its rightful home after being missing for almost five decades. A precious three-foot-long wooden model of the Starship Enterprise 1701 has been found after going missing in 1978. First in the hands of series creator Gene Roddenberry... Uh, and my page just snapped right out of me here. Sorry about that. I don't know what's going on here. The model was thought to have gone missing after Roddenberry kindly loaned it to a studio to help further along the filming of Star Trek The Motion Picture. The piece of Star Trek memorabilia found its way to a place where all collectibles inevitably end up eBay. The Star Trek relic made its re-entry into the world where it kicked off bidding at $1,000. But when it was discovered to be more than what meets the eye, the seller took the item down and reached out to Gene Roddenberry's son, Rod Roddenberry, to ensure that it made it home. A timeless piece of not only Star Trek franchise history, but also a marker of how the industry was before the takeover of computer and CGI technology. The model was crafted by Richard C. Dayton, Jr., a well-known scale model maker in the biz. First taking flight in 1965, the model is tied in with the show's very first episode, The Cage. The Star Trek model points back to a simpler time when craftsmanship was put directly into the hands of a human, when folks were always striving to make sure that they were putting quality into their work, no matter how overfamiliar it might feel. Of course, that isn't to say that what folks behind computer animation and CGI do now isn't just as impressive, but it's still cool to see a relic from before the technology boom. We're very happy to hear that Gene Roddenberry's Enterprise model is safely back where it belongs. Thanks. I actually was following the story because I actually saw the post about it being up for sale, and I actually went to the eBay auction to look at it. I thought it interesting, but when I'd gone to look at it just not long before that, the auction had been canceled. There were two bids. It was up to 2000 I think, and all of a sudden the auction was canceled. And all of a sudden the story that came out is like, this object may belong, have belonged to Gene Roddenberry, and he loaned it to somebody, and they weren't sure who he'd loaned to but disappeared, and they think they claim it to a person who's passed away for a while. But maybe stuff had been passed, had been circulated, and found an abandoned uh, storage unit. It's a fascinating story that the ship was found and being brought back and given to the Roddenberry collection. That this actually still out there. I was watching a video. It kind of reminds me of the the Patterson Bigfoot video that you see um, analyzed over and over and over again, frame by frame, step by step, blown up, digitized, whatnot, whatnot. There's all kinds of videos that you can watch on YouTube 
about people dissecting all the different pictures of this model and comparing them to the one on Gene Roddenberry's desk to determine whether or not it's authentic or whether or not it's a fake mm-hmm. or a replica. I mean, it's there's a lot out there about this story if you guys want to check it out. There's tons so, and tons and tons of Really, you're just trying to say that the model itself boldly went on an adventure on its own and finally made it back to the humans? Yeah, well, the the guy took the auction down and uh, reached out to Rod Roddenberry to, to I don't know if he if he sold it back to him like a like a proper Ferengi or if they gave it to him. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know but probably a uh, gold plush platinum chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting story and there's a lot to it. Yeah. Um, yep. So I think the final story that we're going to get to tonight, well maybe we'll see. The final story that we have, perhaps, Michelle Yeoh pushed for Star Trek Section 31 film despite an option to exit. The Michelle Yeoh-led Star Trek Section 31 movie is currently back in the writing process with the newly minted Academy Award winner credited as its saving grace. So we are back on our feet after the strike with Section 31. It is happening. Michelle is just the most extraordinary person on every level, shared Alex Kurtzman. She had one of the most unbelievable years that anybody could ever have in the history of ever, and she had a million opportunities to hit the jackpot on and to do other things. And what did she do with all the power she had occurred? Make sure that Section 31 was moving forward adding that Yo is backing the film with all her power. Kurtzman revealed how the actress was given the option to depart from the project following her well-received performance everywhere all at once. The former, however, turned down the offer and instead pushed for it to continue. The news is a much-needed reprieve for the film, which has faced one delay after another, putting it on a rocky road to development. It was originally planned for production this fall, but the double Hollywood strikes, which just ended, caused a lot of scheduling shifts across the industry. While the writer's strike is now officially over, the sag after strike has also ended. Um, and I, I will skip that. The movie sees Terran Emperor Philippa Giorgio, played by Yo, joining a secret division of Starfleet tasked with protecting the United Federation of Planets while facing the sins of her past. Section 31 was first introduced to the franchise in Star Trek Deep Space Nine and has since appeared on Star Trek shows like Enterprise, Lower Decks, and Picard, as well in the film Star Trek Into Darkness. No other Star Trek characters or actors have been announced for the upcoming Paramount Plus exclusive. So there you have it, guys. Section 31 is definitely going to happen. I'm looking forward to it because I think Michelle Yeoh is just a fantastic actress, and I love her. So we'll have to wait and see. Well, guys, guess what time it is? Dun, dun, time dun, to get dun, hired dun. to go to Section 31. That's right. Time to go to Section 31. That's right. Time to <laughs> say goodnight, and that we're mm-hmm. going to do. So I want to thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you, Paul. It was fun. Thanks. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Thank you. Lots of great stuff, as always. And thank you, of course, to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Eric. 
Yeah, absolutely. Had a great time as always. And thank you so much to our very own Charles for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you. It's always fun. Even and though I am you a Dave. little sad that this is the last episode and we're going to go with a little bit of a break from Star Trek. No, not really. We've got, we've got some good stuff planned. Some good stuff. Oh, I'm sure we do. We but do, no, we do, we I do. I can't do any connect reviews based on what you're going to come up with. True, true. And thank you so much, of course, to the donut guy himself, David, for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, David. Yeah, it's been fun. I'm sad this and, is going away. <laughs> yeah, but only for a little while. Only for a little while. Here we are in November, and we're supposed to be seeing Discovery in early 2024. Uh, but if you guys remember, it came out in January of 2017. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of hoping that they put it in January as well, which means it's not that far away. It's, it's pretty close, pretty close. So um, I just want to let you guys know that with the strike over, both strikes, now we can talk Star Trek with all of the actors and all of the writers. And I'm working on getting some interesting guests to appear on the podcast. You guys are going to want to keep your eyes posted because it's going to be a lot of fun. we got some good stuff coming up in the not-too-distant future. So we'll fill this gap in with some fun stuff. And as usual, Star Trek fans are the best fans. You guys better believe it. All right, please stay safe and be good to each other. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Live long and prosper. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Hello. You have reached the Q Continuum. We are unable to get to the phone right now because we are busy living in a plane of existence your feeble mortal minds cannot possibly comprehend. Furthermore, it's pointless to leave a message because we, of course, already knew that you would call and we simply do not care.